One on One, a podcast about the people behind Ronella Cricket, the stories of our club. You're going to see a different side to those you know. Discover the stories that haven't been shared, the men behind the cricketers, the lives that deserve to be documented. This is Ronella One on One. Thanks to Down Under Garage Doors. This week, our special guest, Paul Radbourne. It was probably just, because uh, I was quite a young captain, particularly with the, the talent that was in that mm, side. Yes. It was it was tough. You sort of sit back and think, wow, I'm, I'm the captain of this great side, to be honest. And, you know, given the premierships and, and the success that we'd had in the past, it didn't weigh that heavily on me, I have to admit. I can't really think of having or feeling too much pressure around it. G'day there. Welcome to our fourth instalment of One on One. Our special guest today has been a staple of our cricket club for over 20 years. As a former A-grade captain for a period of time, Paul is regarded as a leader of high ilk, but most of all, he's the owner of a serious cricket mind. Today, we're going to crack into that mind of his and learn a thing or two about his understandings and learnings from the game. I know you're going to enjoy this. Let's chat to him now. Paul Radbourne, welcome to One on One, mate. Thank you. Good to be here. It's it's really good to have you here. Um, look, I've been chasing you down for months. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, but we finally made it into the same room at the same time, which is good. Um, what are you up to, mate? Um, winter, it's not cricket season. What keeps you busy? Uh, look, during the off-season, I get uh, my hands dirty in netball, if you can say that. Uh, my daughter plays. I coach her side. Oh. Um, I do some umpiring. Um, so I get involved on, on both sides, so a bit of coaching, a bit of umpiring, and that's pretty much all day Saturday for me. Um, and then uh, work has probably taken a, a lot of this uh, other time up. Yep, so, so. the netball's a very different angle. I didn't see that coming. So yeah, well, how much do you know about netball? Are you a bit of a bit of a netball freak now that she's been involved for oh, a while? I, I wouldn't say a freak, no. you you got a good good mind on how game works, look, how to win a game? I, I look, I, I like to think that I can read a game okay, whether it's yeah. netball, soccer, football. I can, you know, generally read what's going on throughout yeah. a game. Um, so, yeah, I think I can add some value if Gee. you like. There you go. So, there, so add that to your resume. Just a netball coach as well. Have you have you won many? Are you, are you going okay? Uh, so I've been coaching four or five years now. Uh, we won. I won my first premiership as a coach last summer. Oh, premiership coach! So well. there we go. Gee whiz. There we go. So I was pretty happy with that. How's that for an opener? I like that. Now we do this generally with everyone. Let's stick to cricket because that's what most people want to hear about. Let's wind back the clock a little bit. Where did your love for cricket come from? Because you've been playing it for a long time. Obviously it would have grown from a very young childhood, I believe. Where, where did it come from for you? Uh, I Look, we used to watch cricket on the TV all the time um, and I just loved watching it and that's how I learnt was just watching it on TV. However, I was probably a late bloomer. I didn't actually start playing cricket until I was 15. Right. Uh, I played a couple of games at primary school and then following a little uh, incident at home where I got grounded, I was said, you're not playing cricket, or was told, you're not playing cricket. So that Mm. was it. So I probably would have started around the age of eight or nine. Wow. Um, Wrecked something in the house with my sister. (laughs) (laughs) Got grounded and said, and got told, look, you're not playing cricket. So wow. uh, it was only until, I think it was year 10, uh, Adam Stevens, a few older people may remember Adam, mm-hmm. um, said, why don't you come out to Ronella and, um, you know, out I came. So you grounded yourself for seven years, you came back, 
and you involved yourself with cricket again. Did you have like a, a dream to wear the baggy green? Were you one of those sort of kids when you re-entered cricket? Were you sort of like, yeah, I, I love this. I, I want to play for Australia. I want to go big. Uh, oh, look, I never had those aspirations. No, no. I was um, pretty heavily involved in playing soccer as well. Yep. Soccer was my biggest love, I suppose, from a sporting perspective. Um, but but also loved cricket as well. Soccer didn't turn out all that well. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of fizzled out as as sort of cricket took over, I suppose. Um, baggy green aspirations, probably not. No. Um, just enjoyed being out there on the field and, and just playing cricket. I find it always interesting, the conversation about how, especially as children, we, we end up having to make a choice, but probably between two sports. Usually it's Aussie rules and, and something else, but you've had soccer and cricket. What do you think, what was the decision for you between those two sports? Do you think the love of soccer drifted away compared to cricket, which rose, or what was, what was it for you? Um, I think there was more of a community aspect around the cricket mm-hmm. uh, and just having the family aspect, I suppose, and the amount of people. Um, I never really hung around at the, the soccer club that often, so that sort of just fizzled out from that perspective and where cricket sort of took over and I just enjoyed that more. Now, you said you obviously you obviously started your junior cricket here at Ranella, so mm-hmm. 15, you weren't far off seniors at that age. Did you get involved with any senior cricketers at that time? Uh, no, I can't say that, uh, I would say that my coach was John Stone mm-hmm. um, and Matty Strockoff. So they were probably my first influences. Look, I, um, that sort of goes back to a family tie too. So my old man and Johnny Stone used to work together in the quarries. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew Johnny Stone's old man, Nobby. He used to work with my dad for a very long time. So I, I, I knew, probably knew his dad better than what I knew John. Mm-hmm. Um, and then rocked up out here and found out he was going to be my coach. <laughs> so... Um, that's sort of where that that came about, but um, yeah. Who were your sort of role models at that age as well? Because as you said, they were around the place. You knew them. Were they sort of mentors for you growing up, especially as you came back into cricket, or was there like an influential player or coach or teammate or someone that you sort of looked at and went, "I really want to model myself around them." Um, I don't think I looked at people and wanted to model myself around them. I suppose it was more looking at them and. Um, taking I suppose some aspects and learning from them more so than mm. trying to model myself around them but adding aspects to my game and, and you know bringing my game forward I suppose. Um, Johnny Stone was an influence obviously being one of my first coaches but in saying that probably John Hawkins was probably one that yep. um, I spent a lot of time out in the middle with, um, had some good partnerships with, uh, looked up to, had some really good chats about cricket in general. So John Hopkins is probably one of those key members around the club that I really looked to for, for help and assistance. Had some really good chats with Mike Maney, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, and uh, his different ideas, particularly on facing people that are probably quite sharp, that we weren't uh, quite used to, and, you know, backlift and other, you know, just technical issues. Um, a little bit from Marcus, opening the batting with him many, many years ago was, was fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, they're probably the ones. And, and Andrew Semple, of course, who's been around the club for since I can remember, which is a, a very long time. You've picked, you've picked some very, very knowledgeable and experienced players, which is, is credit to you because you've obviously picked out some very key people and seen their strengths and seen what they 
what what you can learn from them and you've taken a lot from them by the sounds which is amazing now we'll, we'll take a quick step back back in 1994-95 you won the club's junior cricketer of the year award now I don't know if that's something you've placed much pride in winning uh, after after that it's been such a long time but did you sort of treasure that moment in, in time oh absolutely um i only played one year of juniors here and that was it yeah well wow. and to you know to walk away with that accolade was um something that i still you know cherish today to be totally honest really absolutely what, what would was that do you think maybe that little booster you needed in confidence to keep you playing cricket oh i would have played cricket yeah. irrespective to be honest just the love for the game i was uh, i would have continued to play and will continue to play as long as i Physically can, I suppose. Of course. Um, years later then, you obviously entered the senior system. And then 2002, 2003, well, it was a pretty good one for you that season. Uh, you were decorated as the Cricketer of the Year in the A-grade's back-to-back winning premiership side. That's a, that's a pretty nice little thing to hang around your neck, I guess, at, at that point in your career. Because it doesn't come very often that you win a premiership and to say you were the best player in that team and at the club at that time... Um, that's that's outstanding. Do you remember much about that season? Uh, oh, look, it's going back a few years now, isn't it? It is. So, um, look, I remember getting the trophy. I remember John Hawkins was his, was in the side, um, but it was a pretty handy, um, you know, A-grade side. Obviously, mm. back to back. It's a goal that you set yourself, I suppose. In, in the back of your mind, you think, "Geez, it'd be really nice to, mm. to walk away with uh, one of those." Uh, is it going to happen given the, the talent that was in the A-grade side at that time? you go, geez, probably not, but geez, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? So um, it came as a complete surprise, to be totally honest. Um, and again, something that uh, is probably up there with one of my biggest highlights of uh, playing at Ranella. Oh, that's, Absolutely. That, that's fantastic to hear. You've spent some years at um, the club as a captain in the past. Um, can you give me a bit of a quick rundown of that team and how many years you were at the helm? Uh, yeah, so I th- think I captained for, it was probably only, what, one and a half seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the one and a half seasons prior to us going into turf. Yep. So we had Hoppy in the side, we had Gabby in the side, Brett Roberts. Mm-hmm. Um, Pretty handy team. It was a very handy <laughs> team, very handy team. So there's a, there's probably a lot of other players, but I couldn't think of how many or who they are, to be honest. And how did those seasons go for you? Do you remember them being good ones? They were okay. We played finals in in both of those seasons. Um, unfortunately, due to work commitments, I had to go over to Sydney mm-hmm. to do some intensive training. So I had to hand the reins over, and that was, you know, obviously looking at going into to turf and and that sort of stuff. So uh, Hoppy took over for the the last half of that that season prior to, um, and then off he went into the uh, the turf comp as, as the inaugural captain for, for the Adelaide Turf. It's fantastic you just got that last little period before they did now you think you were able to handle the balance leading the team while focusing on your own game because that's difficult it it is difficult um I probably didn't put the focus on the batting that I needed to but in saying that it was a pretty easy side to to captain to be honest a lot of experience a lot of people um just knowing what to do when to do and how to do it um so you'd run a few things past people when you know, it really just ran quite smoothly. Would it have been nice to have picked up a premiership as a captain? Absolutely. Um, I think we picked up a 2020 Zimmerman Shield premiership. Um, so I remember that under lights at Old Nolunga. So that was a, a good night. But, um, you know, it 
it is always something that you you look at from a captain versus you know a player type perspective. Yes, there's additional pressures you want to you know prove yourself to be able to to do both. Um, I think I did okay uh, without you know blowing the lights out by any stretch of the imagination. But you know we had a good team, had a good vibe, and and played some good cricket. And realistically, from a captain, that's that's all you can really ask for. What do you think the biggest challenges? For you were during those years as captain um it was probably just because uh, i was quite a young captain particularly with the the talent that was in that mm, side yes. um it was probably leading those types to be honest and, and just doing it if that sort of makes, that? it was it was tough you sort of sit back and think wow I'm, I'm the captain of this great side to be honest um and you know given the premierships and and the success that we'd had in the past it it didn't weigh that heavily on me I have to admit it was probably something that um you know just sort of happened with the team that we had Mm. I I can't really think of having or feeling too much pressure to be totally honest around it see I would have I would have thought that probably there was a natural feeling of pressure going into seasons with those sort of names and that sort of list and the obviously the history behind the club the years beforehand with success. I'm uh, amazed that you just did not feel like you probably needed to deliver. But, oh, look, having the, those types of people in the side probably helped, mm. really, than hindered um, because of all of the experience that they had, because of the type of the blokes that they were as well. Mm. Um, you could always ask questions. You could always go to and say, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? So from that perspective, uh, it was it was... It was okay. I was happy with it, to be honest. Do you think so. their uh, influence helped you as a skipper? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Their ideas and stuff. I mean, did you rely on them in any way? Oh, I had certain reliances on Andrew Semple and, and John. Darren Bartlett was my vice-captain uh, for a lot of that time. And he sort of looked at cricket a different way as well. He was a very attacking-type batsman, so... Then you had John Hopkins, who comes with a whole lot of experience, and then then Gabby as well, who stands behind the stumps and sees things from a different perspective as well. So to be able to draw on all of that certainly helped me from a, a captain's perspective. But like I said, it was the team environment was pretty good, pretty happy. So you know, it wasn't much of a struggle. Was captaincy something you always aspired to do in cricket? I guess as you sort of left juniors. Oh look, I hadn't really thought about it to be honest. Yeah, uh, I captain soccer teams you know so I have had leadership type roles from a sporting perspective other teams and uh, and that type of thing uh, but it's not something that I really thought about considering that you know the personnel that we had at the time um, to to step up and and take that role on. Were you shocked that you got the, oh, uh, the call? Absolutely yeah. absolutely there was a little bit of shock about it but one that I, I took on and and did with the best I thought I could. Premierships, let's move on. You've yep. played in plenty. Um, yep. Not so many in the last decade or so compared to the first half of your career, <laughs> no, let's say. No. But I've counted four. Yep. Am I right in saying you had four premierships? Uh, I think there might be a D-grade one there okay. uh, early on in uh, in my time. I've got um, 01, 02, 02, 03, 08, 09 and 16, 17. So you, you reckon there was one before all that? I, th- I think, I believe from memory there was. Right, so five um, premierships. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a favourite? Oh, the first one was a favourite. The very first one. Um, 
so I, th I believe that was a D grade one. Uh, we were talking about that before, but um, we had a massive night downstairs. So yeah, the floor got really, really messy. I don't know if you remember the tiled floor and the uh, no, well before my the, time. The, the brass foot stand that used to be <laughs> down there, but um, the floor got extremely messy and. Um, Wayne Copley and I were having a, a really big night and um, yeah, he uh, unfortunately slipped over and smashed his nose <laughs> on the, <laughs> the footrest and broke his nose. So that was quite memorable for, for one being a premiership, but two also uh, from that perspective. And all he did was kept on laughing. I, I just... It was hilarious, it really was. <laughs> the celebrations generally are the best part of the premiership, though. Absolutely, absolutely. And then, um, obviously, the, the the premiership where we defended, I think it was 85 or something against um, Flagstaff Hill. Yeah. That was, that was just unbelievable. I, I just remember sitting down there on the table, holding the shield, and just just could not believe what had happened. So, yeah, that was pretty memorable as well. They certainly are. They don't come very often. But look, back in the early 2000s, late 90s, there were a lot of premierships. And you were around the club at that stage. They were, uh, there were so many that we just continued to win. And it was almost just, you know, you rock up, you win premierships. And that's just what you do at Ranella. Do you think as a player who was around then, do you reckon you could suggest you took advantage of how often you guys won compared to now where they just hardly come by very often at all. Do you think you sort of took advantage of those you know, celebrations and the feelings back then? Um, I think we certainly celebrated the success, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you really need to do celebrate that success when it comes around because uh, as we've seen over you know recent times, they don't come around all that often. Mm. Um, yes, we were very successful, but I think you also have to remember it's a different competition. We played in a much smaller competition where you're playing people that you know and playing them on a regular basis. Yep. And they were good sides, don't get me wrong. Um, probably still some of the quickest bowlers I've faced were, mm. were back then. So from that perspective, look, did we take it for granted a little bit? No, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. um, we had a lot of numbers. We had some really good stock. As you would see in the, the cabinet, the year we, we took all four grades out and the D grade had two sides and the, the second side finished second. So, you know, we had really good numbers. We had really good stock. Uh, we worked hard. Um, I still think we work hard today. Maybe not as hard as what we probably have in the past, yep. but we certainly, when we're out on the field, give our all so yeah look I think it's to try and compare the two is probably a little bit difficult given um, the way Adelaide turf cricket is played is, is somewhat a little bit more different to, to hard wicket yeah. and the, the personnel again that's probably where we've sort of lacked a little bit is, is numbers to be totally honest Right. So, so you would suggest not maybe the culture not so much the talent either but maybe just the fact that there was a depth of numbers that you could always rely on and Absolutely, yep. absolutely, and um, you know our, our numbers are aging. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of older people around the club as well. So that 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 younger stock, the the mid twenties age group, um, back when I was, you know, that age, there was three, four sides at that age group. Yeah. So um, you know, we've all continued to play to a certain extent. So that that age group bracket is now, you know mid-30s, mm. late-30s. All having kids and families. Absolutely. As a club, we're entering a new era, as you see, and we've lost some of our top-line talent, our preceding first-grade skipper, and coming off our first season in many, many years where no senior team made finals. Now, in your opinion, Binger, I'd like to know, with all this new change around us, 
where are we headed next as a club, would you say? Um, that's a real difficult question, I think. Mm. I think we need to keep persisting and keep working hard as a group. Mm. I think recruitment is going to be key and trying to attract players to Ranella um, is something that we really need to you know, work hard on. I know there has been stuff done in the past and I know there's been subcommittees and, and other bits and pieces to try and, uh, you know, draw people to Ranella. For whatever reason, we seem to, to miss out on those, you know, two or three guys that end up somewhere else. Mm. But we need to keep working hard. We need to keep developing the young blokes. We need to keep the young blokes around and keep them coming through um, and playing some good senior two-day cricket I think is the key look I certainly think that the one-day side has its spot uh, but uh, we really need to you know groom these these young guys um, and making sure that uh, you know we keep them around and, and develop them into to really handy good quality cricketers. Tough question this one you would have seen plenty of experienced players leave the game over your time here and in turn young players come through the ranks and fill their shoes but this year seems a little bit more significant in terms of our losses, as you mentioned. Would you say this could potentially be our weakest senior squad in the last 25 years? Um, I don't know if weakest is the right word. It's probably um, maybe some lack of experience, possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of young, young guys coming up. Yes, we've lost a lot of experience cricketers uh, through Gabby and uh, Robbie uh, and that type of thing. So... The, us older blokes, I suppose, need to probably step up uh, and help those and nurture those younger blokes in regards to that. Is it going to be a tough season again? Absolutely, uh, particularly with our B-grade player A3s again. So, yeah. you know, we really have to manage that side, I think, particularly if we're going to play um, some younger, inexperienced people in that grade because it will be extremely tough. So whoever skippers that side, depending on what's going on, um, will really have their work cut out for them in you know keeping those kids upbeat, keeping them around the club, getting them back to the club on you know Saturdays, and you know whether we're taking a flogging or you know we're putting in some really good performances, mm-hmm. that um, we work around that and, and make sure that we you know get the club around them. Um, keeping them around and, and keeping spirits, you know, high. Uh, because at the end of the day, realistically, um, we're not always out here just to win a game of cricket. We're out here with our mates. We're out here to play cricket because we enjoy it. Um, and we can, if we can add that enjoyment factor, whether we're losing or not, then you're going to keep people around and hopefully they then, you know, draw more people into the club and, and we grow from there. In all honesty, Paul, if you had it your way, would you want to lead a team this year? Um, oh, look... Oh, I've always put my hand up when I've been asked if I would captain a side. Um, so realistically, look, it probably hasn't changed. I'd be happy to do it. Um, I'd be confident to do it. I think I would have or have learnt um, from past experiences. And, and even playing different sports and coaching netball, if we go back to that, yeah. um, certainly plays its role in how you manage players and that type of thing as well so um, short answer yes mm-hmm. absolutely we'll return with Binger shortly but if you've listened to our previous podcasts you would have heard from some of our club's very finest including John Hopkins Andrew Semple Marcus Williams and soon this guy it was funny actually we kind of went we went there as massive underdogs oh massive I remember <laughs> Lee Kirshner's 
grandfather was there. Yeah. And that was absolutely hilarious. Oh, I reckon I was about seven or eight overs into a spell. His grandparents obviously sat, I was on the outer. His grandparents couldn't read the scoreboard from that side and they, and they leant over the fence. And Lee's grandfather said, hey, uh, what's the score there, mate? At this stage, I said, oh, they're four for... He goes, oh, that's great, that's great. Anyway, I went and bowled the next over and I got another wicket. Mm. And I come back and he goes, oh, they're five for now. And he, and he goes, how many have you got? And I said, oh, I've got five. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, oh, congratulations on you, Michelle. Oh. <laughs> like, it was absolutely... Oh, I was laughing my head off at Deep Square League. It was so funny. That's fearsome fast bowler Campanac. He's our next guest on One on One. Let's talk about the game of cricket itself, though. We'll move off from your personal side of things. You have one of the best cricket minds going around this great club. I'm sure you're going to be humble and say you don't. But many people would just love to dive in and explore your understandings of the game and your learning since it has been uh, quite some time in the game for you, especially here at Ranella. Tactically, one of your strengths uh, has been able to read a game in terms of where it's going and where it needs to go in particular moments uh, to fall in our favour and things like that. And so much so other players have frequently gone to you to draw from your experience and ask for your thoughts on the game. Have you ever personally considered that as something that you're rather good at? Uh, oh, look, like I said earlier, I think I've always had an ability to read games and situations whether it's on the cricket field whether it's you know other sports again I go back to watching a lot of cricket on TV Mm -hmm. listening to commentators uh, and just taking it all in Mm -hmm. just actually spending some time and just watching and and that type of thing so yeah look I think I can add something in that space to be honest. Who do you think you could probably put down as maybe one of your major influences or, or what do you think might have been a major influencer for you in that regard? Um, I, I think some of it comes down to listening to others. Yeah. Um, not necessarily just one particular person. Uh, and then also taking a step back and, and you know looking at it yourself. Mm. Uh, having your own thoughts, running your own thoughts past you know experienced players that have you know added something to the game that uh, again, John Hopkins, I draw to um, listening to Gabby as well. You know, even Marcus Williams, and you know, the old older uh, guys that have been around for a long time as well. Obviously, cricket has changed and evolved, but the basics around cricket are still there. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, it's a ball, it's a bat. So you know, you you know, you read into it as much as you like, um, but the basics are still there. As an opening batsman. For I'd say the most part of your career, yeah. How much pressure and nervousness do you feel walking out to the centre and facing up to the first seed each weekend, if any? Oh, look, there's always some sort of nerves. You know, getting off the mark as quickly as possible yeah. is is something that I like to try and do, yep. as you would have seen, and a whole lot of other people would have. <laughs> it doesn't always happen that way. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you just got to bide your time. And just being able to stand there and face probably usually the fastest bowler in the team or anything like that, and generally the ball's moving around pretty early on, does that get in your head? Uh, look, sometimes it does, but then you've got to back your own ability. Mm. Um, and if a ball does a bit and it's too good, it's too good. Yep. At the end of the day, you've got to you know, sit there and go, well, that's too good for me this time, so uh, next one. Constructing an innings is something that isn't 
easy to do in many circumstances and everybody has their own style and pace but you've learned better than probably many how to be comfortable in yourself in your game um, and set yourself up for a day and get stay out there for as long as you possibly can what would you say are some of those keys to building a long and successful winnings from ball one what sort of worked for you personally um, I think uh, focusing on the ball but also being able to switch off from that as well so you you have to focus on the ball. You have to have that focus when the ball is being delivered and then once you've either played your shot or, or whatever, you, you can switch off from that. Yep. Trying to keep things simple and not overcomplicate things, not trying to, um, I suppose, manufacture things just mm-hmm. because things may not necessarily be going your way or things are, are necessarily runs flowing. You need to, I suppose, help your partner, work with your partner who should then also help you in trying to turn that strike over where you possibly can. And then just stay focused on that ball. Each delivery as it comes and then play it as you see it at the end of the day. And just try not to overcomplicate it. Be you know, comfortable within yourself, which you know, at the end of the day, as an opening batsman, you need to be because yeah. uh, you know that ball's hard. It's going to do something, and yeah. it hurts too. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and, and you have to be confident as well because, like you say, it, it, anything can happen, and you just got to back yourself in. Um, was was it sort of? I mean, from an early age, especially, you would have found it tough to, if you get bogged down, try and score because that's when you start to try too hard sometimes and you play shots that probably aren't there, at balls that aren't in the right spot. Obviously, you've learnt a lot as you've grown throughout your career. What were sort of those sort of challenges and how did you work through those when you were bogged down and you needed to push through those moments? What do you think were some of the key learnings you took from that? Yeah, look, um, I think as you get older, you sort of get a little bit wiser too. Yeah, okay. Um, And then at the end of the day, it's a game of cricket, isn't it? Mm. So one being, you know, positive with your own game and and knowing that if you stay out there long enough, runs will start to happen. Mm -hmm. If things aren't quite happening, ask the question from your, you know, person at the other end, what's going on, what am I doing, how am I, you know, going about this? Um, And again, asking the question, talking to people, you know, everyone goes through form slumps, if you like, and, you know, opening batsmen, uh, you know, one of those things that you're going to get those good seeds every now and then, and uh, you just got to cop it sometimes and uh, and get on with it. I had a good conversation with Mike Maney one day about, you know, like I said, facing quite pacey bowlers, Mm. um, and he mentioned maybe just shortening your back lift. You know, just something basic like that, um, you know, it just changed a lot of things for me from from that perspective. Backlift was just one of those things. Uh, And then focusing on the ball. It's amazing when you get out as you're walking off thinking, was I actually focusing on the things that I need to be focusing on? Yeah. Um, And a lot of times you'll probably sit there and go, well, actually, no. I probably wasn't ready to face that ball. I probably should have pulled away and gone re-bowl it do you get frustrated at yourself when you get out i mean you've played plenty of innings and there would have been plenty of bad umpiring decisions but there would have been plenty of times <laughs> where you got yourself out do you ever take things to heart like that oh absolutely there's there's certainly times when probably you're batting quite well mm. and like i said you may just have that lapse in concentration or that lapse in focus at that wrong time um and you're out yeah. and you just know that you weren't quite ready, you didn't have that focus, and they're the times that I probably get frustrated uh, with myself or whether I've got out in a certain fashion, you know, three, four, five times. Does uh, that hinder threat training in the rest of the week? Do you look back at that stuff and go, I need to improve, or do you just move on? 
Oh, look, sometimes you just have to move on. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, when you've been playing for as long as, you know, I suppose I have, um, your technique and things aren't really going to change a whole lot. The way you play is the way you play. Um, but if you can certainly just change, you know, some small things that help you focus uh, and that type of thing that get your feet moving, then that's what I'll try and concentrate on rather than trying to, to revamp the way that I go about things. One thing that certainly has never gone unnoticed with you being a, uh, especially as a top end bat as well is your ability to take wickets as well. That's something that's so rare in batsmen, but you can come on and just take wickets and you have an amazing knack of doing it. Were you always a spin bowler as a, as a young lad? Uh, no, look, when I, at my junior year, I was opening bowler. Yeah. So I opened the bowling and opened the batting. Wow. Uh, bowled some really good uh, outswing. Um, that outswing's disappeared. I can only <laughs> bowl in swing now. <laughs> um, but found that I could spin yeah. the ball. So uh, I sort of stuck to that more than uh, um, the pace sort of stuff. How long did you work on that? Because it obviously would have gotten to a point where you realised, well, I'm not, this pace stuff ain't working, but I can spin it. Like, did you work really hard on getting a craft? Uh, no. <laughs> it just came to you. It, it was just one of those things that I could walk up and do, I suppose. Um, as uh, people will tell you, I can't bowl a wrong one, so, you know, <laughs> I had to spin it a lot the other way. Yeah. Um, but, it was again, it's just focusing on what I can do and doing it more so than trying to do things that I can't. Would it be fair to say in, like, the recent years you've really put a bit more of an emphasis on your bowling? Oh, look, playing on turf is certainly helped with mm. the the spin bowling yep. um, yeah look I've certainly bowled a lot more and, and you know the emphasis I suppose has taken a step forward I suppose uh, but first and foremost I'm an opening batsman so at the end of the day if, that, if that's not working I suppose I do have that to, to fall back on. I suppose one comment from the, the Richard Gab was you know when Binger comes on things happen yeah you either take wickets or you go for plenty of runs. So, you, uh, you know, um, it's something always tends to, to happen, absolutely. I, I remember, I reckon it was one game at Brahma Lodge. It was about three or four years ago now. And you weren't making many runs as a bat and you were rather slow. It was a one-day game. And so we had a score that was about 200. Yeah. And they came out blasting and they scored plenty of runs early. And then you came on and I reckon about three wickets just fell yep. like that. And yep. it was just unbelievable how quick the game just turned. Those sort of moments for you, do you just sit there and, like, do you believe it? Oh, I enjoy them, yeah. absolutely. Do you expect that you can oh. have that impact on a oh. game, though? Oh, look, yeah. I don't think you expect it. I expect that if I put the ball in the right place enough times, um, then I'll pick some wickets up, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that particular day... I didn't just make them happen. There was uh, plenty of other influences, you being one of them, um, <laughs> well, taking taking that catch at There was a John on, Hopkins one that was better than <laughs> there, was, there was a John Hopkins at uh, mid-wicket diving to his right down low, yeah. which was an absolute perler, <laughs> um, and, and then a run out. So, mm. yeah, the, the game did turn on, on a top. Um, look, it's, it's always enjoyable when those sort of things happen. There was probably another game at, at Goodwood in a semi-final. I bowled a rank... Long hop, mm -hmm. uh, batsman's just skied it straight up in the air, like went straight to mid-off, um, and then sweep shot out to cow corner. Yep. Uh, Peter Jamison took a catch, and, and again, it was three wickets in the space of you know, four or five overs where we were getting absolutely pumped mm. um, with not a big score on the board, and um, you know, 
again, we, we walked away with a win. So th there have been the odd occasion where, you know, I have sort of... Uh, turned a game here and there, which, is, which is always nice. Yeah, okay. it's, it must be a great feeling when it does come by. As bowlers do, though, um, if you get smacked around sometimes, your chin can uh, basically hit the ground very quickly, um, especially with spinners, I think it's quite fair to say. Have you reached the point where you've basically got full confidence in your ability to back yourself up and go, I can take wickets even if I'm going to get smacked around the place? Or you know, do you worry some days that they're just not going to come out the way that you would like them to? Oh, look, there's probably more days than not where they don't come out how you would uh, mm. like them to. Um, and then there's days where you've got it on a string and um, you can do whatever you want with it. Um, I think you'll find that with, with any bowler, to be honest, even when you're batting, yeah. um, you, you'll hit the ball the way you want and then some days you won't. Some days when you are, you won't make any and some days when you're not, you'll make 100. Mm. It's extremely frustrating sometimes where you bowl the worst ball in the world and it'll take a wicket. <laughs> you bowl this absolute perler um, and it gets creamed. Yeah. Um, so as a spinner, I've got to back myself in. At the end of the day, if you know I've got a, a, a captain who's you know willing to take the game on and have the field set the way that you know we think we're going to get wickets and we can bowl to that, then um, I'll back myself in every day of the week. We've talked a lot about cricket, but I think I'd love to just pinpoint it down to one thing if we could. What do you think the one thing? that you learnt from this game is the number one thing you've learnt from this game? Oh, the first thing that comes to mind is probably just the camaraderie of the, the club, the, the mm. team atmosphere, the, you know, just, just being out here with a whole bunch of good blokes yeah. at the end of the day is where it sits for me, absolutely. That's the number one thing for you is that... Yep. that elaborate on that for me. I think oh, that's a really good point. Um, oh, look, what does that mean to you? It means going out there with... the black cap on with you know 11 of you know blokes that I've played cricket with for, for a number of years and then also um, playing against a kid that's played his first game mm. walking out onto to the Renella Oval um, it's coming back in to the club on a Thursday and a you know a Saturday night and having a meal and um, just getting around everybody having a chat um, even watching some cricket on the TV and even just ordering some pizzas on a Thursday night every now and then it, it's just being here it's just a great feeling for you yeah absolutely um you were inducted as the 44th life member of this club just describe how that felt for you i mean there's a lot of emotion that i'm sure comes with being inducted as someone like that and as you just mentioned the feeling of being a part of this great club with the amount of simplicities that come about just being part of a club like this how much did that mean to you oh that was um probably one of the biggest highlights of of playing at Renella, to be honest. Yeah. Um, it's not something um, that you play for. Um, you know, it's probably not something that's just given either. It's, no. you know, something that you, you earn and um, the respect given when you do receive it. Just the names that are on there that are still around the club today. Yeah, look, one of the, the, the best moments of, of my cricketing career, absolutely. And you're also, we can't forget, you're also a father and a husband as well. Tell us a little bit about that side of your life because you take a lot of pride in your family, your two kids. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So um, my son, uh, Matthew, 21, he's just about to complete his uh, first and second fixed carpentry apprenticeship. Yeah. Um, he he really enjoys playing football. He's, he's played the odd game of cricket. He played under-14s out here for one season as well. 
Um, he hasn't stuck around with the cricket too often, but you know he uh, he is a man of his own sort of thoughts and and ideas. So he uh, he will certainly uh, take himself off on his own sort of uh, road, if you like. <laughs> so um, he's enjoying life at the moment, which is good. Um, my daughter, so uh, she's just turned fifteen, second yeah. year in high school, yeah. year nine. You know, she will sit down and chat with anyone. She'll help anyone out. You know, she she's been around here for a while and knows David quite well. <laughs> <laughs> behind the canteen, which I don't know whether is a good thing or not. Um, again, she plays netball. I've, I've coached her um, team for a number of years as well now. So um, you know, families family is one of the most important things. Without them, you, you probably wouldn't be here. My wife married for nearly 18 years now yep. who has been a big part early years of, of my cricketing career why um oh look we not not too many people would know this but um there was a game down in old Nolunga where we were under the pump and belinda was pregnant with ashley mm-hmm. and uh the friday before the second week of that game uh we thought belinda had had a miscarriage right so I said, look, I can't can't play the second game, yeah. uh, the second day of the, of that game, and then it must have been about three o'clock in the afternoon. I get a phone call and it's Semps. Yeah. We're in some trouble. We need you to come down. Oh. Um, cricket's the last thing on your mind. Cricket was the absolute last thing on my mind, and I, I said to Belinda, uh, we had actually found out that Ashley had a twin. Oh wow. Um, so. The twin unfortunately hadn't developed and there was some complications and that sort of thing, but we still had Ashley, so that was the main thing. Um, and we knew that, so um, I said to Belinda, look, this is what's happening. I'm happy to stay. I really, you know, they can deal with it, to mm. be totally honest. And she said, look, no, just go. So I flew from Trot Park all the way down to Old Nolunga. <laughs> wow. Uh, left my white pants at home, had to wear someone else's. <laughs> And all I could remember was just standing at the crease, bawling my eyes out, thinking I shouldn't be here. Yeah. Absolutely shouldn't be here. Um, I think we got over the line and then the next ball got out. Wow. And drove home. Yeah, and fair <laughs> enough. And fair enough. Um, I look back at that now and go, yeah. should I really have done that? But look, that was probably one of the most important parts of my cricketing career that, that the Belinda has played in that particular day but mm. the support and everything that that she's given me throughout this whole entire um, cricketing career um, has been you know outstanding uh, look don't get me wrong we've had our arguments over cricket mm. um, she was quite a you know heavily involved in softball with state and also Australian squads so yeah. um, she was quite uh, aware of you know sport and what it meant to me you know and then the club after that you know flowers and cards and thank yous and and all of that sort of stuff so the you know the club was really good about that as well so yeah she's been a big strong backbone and support for me through throughout a lot of uh, my cricketing career and you know even that premiership that we spoke about earlier about how we defended 85 when I went home mm. chin dragging on the floor <laughs> going oh wow this is ridiculous how are we ever going to defend that type thing and she just sat there and looked at me and said well, they did it to you. Why can't you do that to them? Yeah. Tomorrow's a completely different day. Um, and we did. Yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes you just need that. Um, mate, I'm, I'm so pleased you were able to share that story with us because it's close to you and um, I guess that just sums up you and uh, as a person and the priorities you have in your life. And it was a wonderful moment, obviously, as you mentioned. We, obviously, one last question. We're just about to wrap up here. 
I know it's still probably a little while off for you, um, but I think it's fair to say you're closer to the end of your playing days than the start. How many more years of cricket do you think you've got left in you? <laughs> yeah, look, every time I get asked that question, it's uh, you know two or three seasons, um, and that's probably been the, <laughs> that's probably been the uh, the response the last uh, four or five, maybe six seasons. So, so you're still uh, here. look, I'm still here. It's probably another two or three seasons. Look, Belinda seems to think I'll be playing when I'm fifty. So. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, look, absolutely not. Absolutely not. If the body is still able and, you know, still contributing in some sort of way, um, then, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll continue to try and play as, you know, as long as I can. Um, but two or three at this stage. <laughs> two or three at this stage. Yeah, that's right. I like it. Paul, you've brought so much to this club, mate, in terms of your leadership, your knowledge, your performances uh, on the field, and as well your charity and your constant um, liveliness off the field as well. I think it's just um, you're an amazing bloke and you're fantastic to have around the place. And we thank you for your time uh, on the show and just being around the place all the time. We just love having you here. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it, mate. Cheers.